I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Hey, America, and all of the provinces, whatever's north of us. It is Tuesday. The Athletic Hockey Show is back, and I'm I'm Craig Custance, joined, as always, by Sean Gentili, and there's a ton to go over today. Sean, a great show. We got Marty Walsh, the executive director of the NHLPA, like, for a very serious uh, hockey interview. Like It was serious. We're, we're, we're going to... We dove into the weeds on salary cap and the coyote. We did the man, we just dug in on some some issues. We're talking talking politics. Honest question. Do you think that's the most serious interview we've ever taken part in on the show? Um Yeah, probably. I can't I can't think of any outside of the round table with um when we talked to uh Katie and yeah. Ian and Robson about about the Eugene Melnick yeah, story, I don't think one. we've ever, I don't think we've ever had a more serious uh, yeah. conversation on the show, which I was not expecting. There were multiple points where, let's say, if the tone were a little bit different, I would have made jokes, and I, I, I reined thought, it in. Uh, it was, I, I bit my tongue a couple times. Can you, can, can you guess which one? Um, How about this? What? Which one? Can you guess the moment that I, that I. <laughs> deliberately avoided making a joke despite that if being my impulse. If we spent five more minutes with Marty beforehand because we we already hit, we kind of hit the ground running and we're making jokes and I think we probably it probably would have had a we all we needed was like just a little bit more of a crack a, a window opening there to to be our normal selves but it probably is for the better. I'm gonna save how about this I'm gonna save the reveal for the point that I almost made a joke at until after the interview. I'll say that whenever we're coming out of like the when interview. we have him back. I'm sure we will. Own it. I want to see if people like, can guess. It'll, it. I bet it'll be completely different. And that's fine. Like, look, we should we should change gears occasionally and and talk some actual. So, a hundred percent, because there's serious shit taking place within the NHLPA, and I think we touched on yeah a lot of it. We touched on the pride situation, and we touched on the coyote situation, which everyone loves a joke about. It is not. It's serious stuff for yeah, players. Like, people want to like hockey players want to play in full arenas that aren't secondary. It's a worker. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it, it, it's a working. It's a worker environment, right? Or, or question. It's it, it, right. It's it's a it's a question of of labor of of a labor environment. That's the way it needs to be treated. And it seems like he is treating it as such. <laughs> Only the NHL. Like we we've just accepted that the the coyotes have been playing as the second tenant in a college like it's insane i just can't even imagine i know we've talked about this but 
it's just like, oh yeah, that's what the coyotes are doing and they're going to do it for another year. And that's what, that's what it is. And he's like, you know what? This isn't great for the employees in this situation. <laughs> and it's not something that I forget personally. I think about it every day, actually. <laughs> like every, I wake up, I have a banner hanging above my bed that says the coyotes are the second <laughs> tenant in an NCAA hockey arena. But like, I get tired of talking about it, mm-hmm. right? Like, it feels like it's just something we rail, like we t- we talk about a lot, <laughs> and it's human nature to only want to discuss that sort of stuff so often, right? But that does a disservice, I think, to the absurdity of the situation and the unfairness of the yep. situation for labor in this in this case. So he, I'll tell you what, Marnie ain't forgetting about it. No, he's not. <laughs> He he had he has no such issue with talking about that every day because that's his job. So you wrote about um, just to tie in the Coyotes a little bit. You had a, a great story with Mike Russo this week on the Atlanta Thrashers that uh, you know I, that turned out really well. I knew you were working on it. Um, like we worked on it in bits and pieces. Like that we we started reporting that out in March, and and we were going to run it in March, and then tabled it just because we both got busy with other things and thought it would make more sense at this point. Yeah, the, but it's one of the, it's one of those ones that like I thought. <laughs> I've had this conversation with people like over the last couple of days. They're like, boy, you were working on that for a long time. Like it didn't take it didn't take that long. We just put it we put it in a tr- like basically like saying like oh off? that's kind of like oh that's that's it like that's what it was. I'm like, well, okay, we put oh, that was <laughs> we the reaction. We were like, no, this is no, the I'm story good. you've been working on for a month. Wow, I've uh, this Atlanta <laughs> story that I've heard so much about. No, it, it, nobody's nobody's reacted that way. But but it was something that we started working on after GMs after the GM meetings and kind of tabled until until the start of the final deliberately. Like so, th- there was that, and then Pierre wrote about Gary's State of the Union, yes. and, and there's these kind of just like, oh, it just seems like this is going to happen. But there's also like, no, there's no expansion, so it's got to just be the Coyotes to Atlanta, even though we're, we got the Salt Lake City bit going on. But I mean, what? If we're talking about it like it's it's a finished thing, yeah. Let's see here. I'm trying. I'm trying to think how, how, can how I can be without judicious about this. Um, is the most likely outcome the Coyotes going to Salt Lake? Probably. Like if you if you had to rank if you had to rank the outcomes, I feel like that would be first. Okay. That does not mean that there aren't that there's not a legitimate chance that one of two other things happens, which is they somehow hammer something out in Arizona with that Mesa site that's starting to come up again. It's humiliating to even bring up on the podcast, but it's true. And then there are people around the Atlanta situation who do, who think that if push comes a shove and this is their chance that they can bring that team to Atlanta rather than Salt Lake city. If the coyotes move, if that happens, yeah. if the PA in the league decide to pull the plug on this, there are people in Atlanta who think that that team could play in Georgia rather than Salt Lake City. Important. Ones. What about Houston? I, like Houston always seemed next next at the bat in the U.S. for me. Um, the issue with Houston, far as I understand it, is what it's been for the last few years, which is um, Tillman Fertitta, who is the Rockets owner. Mm-hmm. has the booking rights to the arena. He doesn't own the arena, but he has the rights to it. And I think there's questions over whether he wants to or is capable of of purchasing uh, a hockey team. I think I right. think that's kind of the outstanding issue. Kind of need that. If there's a hot if right now under the terms of Tillman Fertitta's lease with the Toyota Center, which mm-hmm. is the arena there, if there is a hockey team, if there's an NHL team in Houston, he gets right a first refusal to it. And I don't think, and I don't think that's, uh, that situation is complicated. Um, a couple things in the coaching world, we, we just, we want to touch on, uh, especially in the U S the Anaheim ducks hired Greg Cronin, who was uh, mm-hmm. Colorado Eagles, to AHL coach. Um, apparently Joe Sackick went to bat for him. So Pat Verbeek is bringing in his guy, you know, you know him as a assistant for the Islanders, Maple Leafs, longtime coach. You know, he was the coach of the Colorado Eagles for like five seasons. I com- I did not I did not realize he was there that long. Yeah. 
Oh, what do you what do you think? You were like you you've been he's been he's a lifer. He's six years old now. Like you've been around him in some capacity in, in his previous jobs. Yeah, not. I mean, some capacity. Not really. Not re- like I don't have strong feelings in this one. It's it's one of those like we were talking about it a little bit. Like, hey, don't recycle coaches. But then it's like mm-hmm. one. Guess we, what? We, we call one up and we're like, huh? All right. Well, we'll see. Six year old AHL coach, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I think it may. I think it makes sense for the Ducks because he's helped players graduate from the AHL to the NHL for the for the Abs. He gets a lot. Uh, Joe Sackick certainly gives him a lot of credit yeah, for that. Yeah, like helping helping those helping those guys get prepped for what comes next over the last couple of years. Sackick publicly gives him a lot of credit for it. Verbeek gave him a lot of credit for it in the release. So I think for where they are in their life cycle, I think he makes sense. Yeah. And I and you said it like everybody loves to complain the moment a coach who's been fired as an NHL head coach gets another job like it's reflexive and I get it it can be annoying in, mm-hmm. in some cases which we're going to go on to discuss here it certainly is annoying but this is Not what it me. looks like no you love it because you love every coach that's ever that's Keep ever on a baby. <laughs> No, like, look, look at look at the Stanley Cup this final. Is what it looks it's like Paul Maurice this and is, Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, it's not totally. I, I'm not saying 100. percent Don't promote the HL because you can. You know, there's John Cooper. All these guys. Have, there's. I, I just. Um, I, I don't get. I mean, I get when people just like when they just rotate people that haven't had success in years. I, I get all that. Like, it, it seems uninspired, and it's and when there's not even a process, and it just seems like there's some weird connection to the GM. I I, mm-hmm. I get that. Um, that's why I'm, you know, you're watching with the Rangers. The New York Rangers are the most interesting one to me right now in terms of the vacancies left. Can we say that they didn't really have a plan here? Because it seems like they're zeroing in on on Peter Laviolette, which you said at this, as you told me at the at, before we started recording. Well, like, Gerard, Gerard Gallant's moving. Like he, it seems like he's the guy in Calgary. Laviolette's the guy in. If we're just doing the musical chairs, it's almost like the goalie market. It's like, here's the two goalies left. Here's the two spots left. Oh, my God. That's the way it was. That's the way the goalie market specifically was yeah. last season. Yeah. It was hilarious. This guy's just trading jobs. I The Rangers plan clearly, I think it's safe to say, like the most uh, the most obvious answer here is that their plan was that, or their assumption was that Mike Sullivan was going to shake loose from the Rangers. Yeah. You can read between the lines there. We've seen more than enough reports coming out of New York to that effect. Now was, uh, I, this is actually good. I'm glad I can say this on on the pod. That was never going to happen. Never. Mike Sullivan to the Rangers was never, ever, not ever going to happen. I don't know why it was a discussion point. I don't know what about about uh, the situation made the Rangers seem to believe that you know they could throw a hail mary and and shake them loose. It wasn't going to happen. He signed a new contract. He already makes a shitload of money. He likes it here. He's the owner's guy. He by, by all. So you're like, saying it might have happened. The, there was a. I'm saying not in a million <laughs> bajillion. <laughs> stone cold lead pipe lock from Sean Gentilly. Mike Sullivan will never go. No, I like it. It was. It wasn't going to happen. It was. It was. It was pipe dream stuff. Here's what. Here's what I'll say. If it's Peter Laviolette to the Rangers. Everyone's going to get all worked up. I'm not that mad about it. <laughs> I'm not. Peter Laviolette not has won a lot I'm of games. Mad. He knows how to get navigate the playoffs. I, <laughs> I'm i not mad about it. I just, I don't think I, I don't, I think from a procedural standpoint, I'm not down with firing a coach <laughs> without, with like that little of a plan in place, right? Like, I, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that, that might, that, that might be unfair to say because they knew. Here's, here's, here's like probably the, the caveat there is that is you knew that Laviolette was going to be available. Like like that divorce was on the way. He he it may have already happened. Honestly, now that I now that I think about it. So you see, like if all else fails, we we, we can get Laviolette, and he's a good coach. I, I I understand, but it's just it's just crazy that you know this is it's June sixth, <laughs> and this is where yeah. where it's all landing. Um, Florida, Vegas. That hit. We, there's a, no debate, but a lot of talk about it. Um, I think people were ready to debate it. People wanted to debate it. It's actually they really refreshing. To. We were like, we wrote about it. Uh, Pierre LeBron had a piece. He talked mm-hmm. to some coaches and players, and Steven Stamkos and gets and just a lot of like. That was in the works, by hit. the way. That was in the works like 
that was in the works like immediately because we have like a planning channel in yeah. Slack for all of us where it's like, here's here's who's on site for these games. Here's who's like tasked with watching from the couch, like whatever. Pierre sent up the <laughs> the Pierre flair at the as soon as that had happened. It was like he was like, I'm doing this. I'm talking to people. Like here's here's what you guys can expect from me tonight. The best comment might have come from I think it was Mike Madonna who said something like, "There was 40 of those the 1997." <laughs> both season or whatever like he's like what are we yeah he was like, like he was like, like happened to me every yeah, game I, I, I was to that in every shift come on can we just chill out here um but it did seem to galvanize vegas they just look like they're steamrolling but here, here look i'm just gonna say we're shifting to florida let's see what game three looks like i know everybody's ready to coronate the golden knights here but we're but florida's going home it does look like the wheels are falling off and that the you know that bob in the you know is turning into a pumpkin or whatever but i'm you know this this game three when when you shift sites maybe they can stop some of the momentum I, i'm not ready to All give the, in on the panthers yet this has been too me neither a run but these but these games if you were to guess what a panthers loss would look like or what like what you say Panthers lose games one and two. Yeah. Like what? How are those games going to look at the start <laughs> right. of this? At you, the start you of the series, you go like, to overtime or something at least. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I'm saying like this is this is what I would have guessed. Oh. I, if you say after two games Vegas is up 2-0, what do you think those games look like? I would say uh, Bob had the wheels fall off mm. and they weren't getting like elite production from the top of the lineup and the defensive uh, the defensive group just wasn't up to snuff and guess what this is vegas's unreal productive forward depth coming through and it's aiden hill out i mean i don't even want to say out dueling bob because that gives bob a little bit too much credit i think for how he's played the last couple of games it, this is an ass kicking yeah. it's th- this is this is one one goalie is significantly better than the other through, through two games and i think you know i i don't think i'm i'm not overly surprised by it but at the same time like could Bobrovsky snap back in and steal games three and four like for sure yeah um one last bit before we get to Marty Walsh and it's a great great conversation so definitely stick around for that but there's a a bit of news out of Harvard I just wanted to uh, mention Katie Stone the women's hockey coach at Harvard is announcing her retirement completely on her own what happened I probably just got there, tired I of coaching. I don't know. <laughs> Can't say for sure. Now, there was um, – Harvard didn't mention in announcing the retirement of Katie Stone the Jenner and Block uh, investigation. I don't think that was part of the announcement. It was not. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a great huge leap to suggest that might have had something to do with it. Katie Stone, of course, uh, the news comes following multiple articles by The Athletics, Haley Salvian and Katie Strang. Alleging misconduct and mistreatment within her program. Again, this is just a based on the Harvard release, just a wild coincidence that mm. that happened a few months ago and that this is happening today. Well, interesting. Jenner and Block was hired to conduct a review of the women's hockey program following the athletics report that detailed hazing and sensitivity to mental health issues and other problematic behavior within the team going back two decades. Again, this is a coincidence that she just lost her job. Or no, she retired. No longer, no, no longer works there. Excuse me. I would just say, you know, this has nothing to do with any of it. But make sure you just keep up with what Haley and Katie are reporting on this. Make sure if you haven't read the piece they wrote back in March, uh, it's easy to find. Uh, I'll retweet it. Oh, I already mm-hmm. so um, read that just to get it. You just get a, you can get a sense of um, what Harvard's going to be missing in retirement. Coming up next, on to Marty Walsh. <laughs> Marty Walsh joins us from Vegas, the new executive director of the NHLPA. And Sean, just a complete professional throughout this interview. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We are now thrilled to be joined with Marty Walsh, the new executive director of the NHL Players Association, who has been, um, I imagine, furiously Meeting with players, meet, getting to know the, the a, a large group of people, Marty. Well, first of all, thanks for doing this in, in what is a really busy time with the final going. But I wanted to start there. I, I know that's it's a big undertaking to get to know the membership. And I imagine that was job one for you. And, and I was curious how that process is going, what that's been like. Yeah, it's, it's been, first of all, thanks for having me today. It's exciting to be on. I look forward to the conversation. Um, you know, when I, when I interviewed for the job, uh, I told the players that, uh, my goal is to, to not just meet every player, but to get to know every player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have 750 plus players. There's no reason why the leadership of the union can't know every single player, uh, personally. And, uh, we've spent, you know, obviously in the beginning of this, uh, I started in April, um, and I was able to meet with a good amount of teams, uh, players on teams, not everyone. Uh, then the playoffs started a little more tricky and now the final. So it's really tricky right now. You can't, you don't want to interrupt the players. Obviously they're very focused, the, the Panthers and, and the Knights um, players, they're, they're all focused on the playoffs. And uh, I'm going to over the summertime meet with a ton of players um, when they get together. Uh, and then in the fall, uh, they have something called, you probably know by the meet fall tour. And I'm going to get a chance to meet all the players and, and talk to them all. So it's been, it's been fun. It's been interesting. You know, I've, I don't know how many players I'm at. Maybe, maybe a couple hundred so far. Oh, wow. Um, you know, some have been uh, a dinner, some have been a cup of coffee, some have been on the phone, uh, some have been in passing in different places, at rinks and practices, things like that. So, um, you know, I, I look forward to, to getting to know all the players and meeting them and hear what the challenges are, what their concerns are, what, what direction they want their union to go in. Mm. I feel like something people maybe forget about is that NHL players aren't a monolith. You know, they're not all they're not all the same. There's guys who make more money. There's guys who make less. There's guys further in their career. There's guys who are just starting out their career. So I, I think that kind of divide in particular between the older guys and the younger guys and the bigger contract guys and, and the younger guys, that's a dynamic that I think publicly, like on our end of things, probably doesn't get talked about enough. And it's something that fascinates me. So I'm just curious how, you know, maybe over the last little bit you've is, is is that the sense you've gotten? Is there a need to bridge that gap and maybe get some other some other demographics or, or some other player buckets kind of involved? No, you're absolutely right. It, it, just a couple of things. You know, when I when I got the job and I was talking to people um, about what what I do, and uh, in, in, this is a union, uh, a lot of people assume that every player that plays in the National Hockey League is a millionaire, uh, and that's not the case. I mean, some of their careers are short. Uh, they, they don't. They make a they don't make max contracts. Uh, they don't have opportunities. And, and there's life after hockey that they have to survive on. Uh, and, and so that's one thing. So I represent those players as well. And then also when I talk to the old player, older players, the retired players, particularly from the, the 80s and 90s, uh, they don't have pensions. Mm-hmm. They have a little bit of money coming in and, and, and they didn't make a lot of money. And, and, you know, obviously the cost of living in the last 30 years has gone up and they're trying to survive. And now, you know, this union fought to get a collective bargaining agreement that has pensions in it. So the retire the players of today will have something coming in when they retire, which is really important. Uh, so, you know, there, there's a divide there. So you want to look back and make sure you, you take care of the older players, but you also understand moving forward. How do you, how do you make sure these players have something when they retire? And um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people now that have earned a pension with the NHL. I don't think anyone's actually started collecting it yet in, in the modern era, if you will. Uh, but, um, you know, we, there's a, there's a lot we have to do and there's a lot, a lot out there. And, you know, when you think of the sports, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking for hockey, um, you know, you, 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 you're, 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 you're fighting for working class, uh, hockey players. That's what they are. And, and um, and you want to make sure that while they're playing, they have all the protections and the ability to, to earn money and, and to help support their family. And then when they retire, you want to make sure you're laying down a foundation for them, uh, to go into other life because these, these, these players retire at, in their thirties, mm-hmm. most of them, some going to the forties. And so that's still, there's still a life in front of you, yeah. a whole life in front of you. And, 
And if you've been spending since you've been 13, 14 playing hockey, and now you wake up one morning, you're 37 and you're done, uh, what do you do? So there's a, there's a lot we can do. So I know that's a lot I just said. But, um, you know, I, I look at this as, as the whole, the whole not just career of the player, but the whole life of the player. You look at the, uh, you know, the setup of, of you know, where, where you are in history of the league and the PA when you're joining. And it's, I mean, you've got a couple of years before you have to start worrying about kind of big picture things in terms, I, I think the current deal goes through the CBA through 25, 26. But there are things I'm sure you want to address right away. And I'm prob- you're probably picking up some themes from players. Is there... You know, re- revenue growth, all these things that, that players are impacted by. What are some short-term things that you're focused on? Well, I think, you know, when you look at it, you're thinking about, you know, when I talk to the players, they talk about, you know, what's going on with the salary cap. And and there was a deal cut in 2020 that uh, the players paid large amounts of escrow to pay off the debt. Uh, that debt is, is coming down in a, in a really fast way. Uh, there is still some debt left, so we have to figure that out before we can talk about raising salary cap more than a million dollars this year. I mean, I don't, you know, we'll, we'll see as we have these conversations over the next week and a half. Um, World Cup, world best on best tournament. Uh, players want to play in the Olympics. Players want to play in a world, some type of World Cup play. Uh, we're looking at in, in that space. How do we create a tournament that? happens every four years and not just one off and then worry about it, you know, 15 years after Marty, that. We've been talking uh, about that for 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they have, there's been a lot of conversations, but, you know, it's something something the players want yeah. and it's something that I'm going to focus on. Uh, we've had some informal conversations with the league already and we're going to continue to have conversations there. Uh, you know, some players are concerned about life after hockey. Some players uh, like the Arizona Coyotes are worried about playing uh, in a professional hockey rink. I mean, they're playing right now in a in a college arena. Um, and, and, you know, it's not the best circumstance for these, these players in, in Arizona. Uh, maybe it's might be exciting or fun once in a while for a team to come in and play in that arena, small arena. But if that's your home arena and you're playing in front of, you know, three to 5,000 people every night, that, that's not an experience that you should have, or that's not what you fought your whole, your whole life for to get in the NHL. And now you're playing in front of, you know, 3,500 people. Uh, that's just not fair uh, in a lot of ways. So there's a lot of different issues that come up in the course of, of conversation with players. There's not one theme that goes through everybody. Um, you know, not every player is interested in the World Cup of Hockey. Not every player is interested in the Cat Salary Cap. So there's a lot of different themes that come up that uh, we're kind of focused on. And I think when you think about unions, uh, you represent, you know, it's work conditions, uh, making sure the ice is good, making sure the facilities are up to par making sure that, you know, they have all the, all the things they need in, in their arenas and, and f- for them to do their job. I'm sure we're going to get to a couple of those other pieces in a minute. We're going to ask about the Coyotes, I'm sure. But the one the, I wanted to I wanted to hit the, the cap first. I understand the desire to pay down the escrow and, and, or, and, and, pay, and pay down the debt and rip off that Band-Aid and get it, get, get it squared away, you know, for, for, for next season. How do you balance that desire with the fact that there is a group of UFA players that's about to hit the market in July that will have less money than they would have otherwise? Like there are there like are there players out there who are like, well, we we could bump up the cap now because I'm coming up to UFA and I'd like for there to be a little bit more money to to, to spread around to pay me now versus next year. I've definitely spoken to players uh, that are in that situation and they're concerned about that. And I have not talked to owners, but I know general managers are concerned about that as well. Um, and, and you got to, I mean, there's a couple of things that are outstanding. One is the 1920 and 2021 20, uh, debt, uh, not debt, uh, hockey-related revenue that has to be finalized. Uh, if we can get that finalized sooner rather than later and get to an agreement, um, you know, Gary Bettman referred to it the other day as a bean counting, and it literally is bean counting. We're going through whatever the numbers are. That will give us a clear picture of what the debt's left, what debt's left. And, and at that point, I think what you do is you weigh the debt left uh, against the escrow to see if there's any room under the current escrow system to be able to raise the salary cap. And I think until we, if we can get those numbers resolved, uh, and that's a negotiation between us and, and the league. And if we can get those numbers resolved, uh, hopefully in the next week or two, uh, we have an understanding there might be some room there. Uh, short of that, um, you know, um, I'm pretty clear in the fact that when well, I say I am, we, the players, are pretty clear. They don't want to raise the escrow cap for, for salary cap increase. They just don't want to do that. They've paid. They've paid a lot. They've been. Uh, they've, they've they've paid a lot over the last several years on, on escrow. And I think that uh, it's something that we need to we need to um, hopefully 
come up with a positive resolution there, uh, and then we move forward. Uh, I, I do. I am getting calls. A couple of players calling me every week on this, um, asking me what's going on because they're free agents and they're fairly well known, and 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 they want to be able to. Some of them want to stay with the team they're with, and, and I think if you're a team, um, you're going to want to. If you have a team and you have a good core of players, and and some of those players of your core are, are unrestricted free agents, and and they can go on the open market, you don't want to lose them because right. you, you can't you can't replace some of these players overnight. I mean, it's hard to replace them. So I think that's something that, that I think a lot of people are very paying a lot of attention to on both sides of the aisle on, on the, on the club side and on the player side. So just to be clear, I, you know, I've, I feel like we're resigned to the 1 million increase, but you're saying there may be a, the opportunity for some flexibility depending well, on HR. I think we have to look and see, like I said, what the debt is after two seasons are put in the put in the in the bank and you know unfortunately one of these two seasons were COVID season so we're not talking hundreds of millions <laughs> right. of dollars mm-hmm. uh, i wish we were because that make it a lot easier but we're not talking hundreds of millions of dollars but i think that you know i, I don't think you, i'm not gonna i'm not i'm not gonna close the door automatically today i will say this though in the commissioner batman said this the other day too um if there's debt that that's not paid back um you know we're not going to change the escrow mm-hmm. but if there's debt that's not paid back that we know that some percentage the escrow could cover and there's still a little bit more there in the escrow, maybe we could have another conversation about it. Is there an easy explanation like for us or for, for fans or whoever as to why this hasn't been locked in yet? Because we, again, not, we, we obviously are not privy to so much that goes on there, but from the outside, you're like, okay, it's June 5th. How are we not, how do we not have the exact number? Well, I asked that question because I'm new in the shop, so I'm only a couple months in. I asked that same question, and I, unfortunately, I think the world of sports is similar to the world of politics. It's like let's, you know, the, the debt ceiling conversation in Congress. Uh, it took the last hour of the last day to get a resolution, uh, and you know that's not my style. But I'd like to get a res- We should have got a resolution two months ago. We could. They could have come up with a resolution just like they came up with the other day. And I think the same for sports. We, we look at these deadlines. And we go up against these deadlines. And I think it would make it so much easier for everyone to understand that, um, you know, if fans knew that there was salary cap increase, um, you know, look look at the Bruins. The Bruins are way over the salary mm-hmm. cap for next mm-hmm. year. Uh, it's my, my hometown where I'm from. And, uh, you know, fans aren't really paying attention to that yet. But they realize, like, if, if certain players decide to come back for another year, there's no room under that salary mm-hmm. cap right, right now. So they have to figure it out. Certain players. <laughs> one, 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 one big one if yeah, right. Um, so I, I imagine out of the players you've talked to, and it's a pretty good number that you've already you made a big dent already. Um, a lot of those are on the Arizona Coyotes because that that came to a head, and and so I mean you mentioned the arena, but now it like that future is completely up in the air, and it, it seems to me for um, a you know membership that wants to. Inc- increase revenues, putting that team in a city where you can do that fairly dramatically would make a lot of sense. Is uh, How do you balance that against, you know, these players that are there now and trying to figure out what the future holds? Well, I think first and foremost, the league has put a lot of investment in keeping the Coyotes in Arizona. Um, obviously, it's been going on for a few years. Yeah. Uh, you know, the ballot initiative that, that went down the other day, um, you know, um, not over surprise anybody, but you know when you put the, the interesting thing there was there was no money involved. It was just simply approving approving the project. I mean, there wasn't any public finance in that project, it, it, but it went down. Um, you know, I, I think the commissioner said uh, at his press conference the other day that he was gonna he's trying to see uh, one one or two more plays in Arizona, and if that doesn't work, he's gonna look what's next. And uh, you know, I simply just feel that you know this coming season, um, if there's not a resolution um, soon. It, you know, I wouldn't, I'm not going to put a deadline on it yet before the season starts or halfway through the season. But if you don't have a resolution soon, meaning uh, in the next, you know, several bunch of months here, they have, they have, we have to make a decision on what's going to happen to the future of that team. Uh, you can't, you know, that team, if that ballot initiative passed, we were talking, you know, two, three, four more seasons in, in, the, in the, in the, in the, in the Mullet Arena. Um, that's a long time, but at least there's a new building being built. Uh, and I think that, you know, the fans of Arizona, the hockey fans there, and more importantly, the players deserve, uh, I don't mean more importantly because the fans are really important too, but the, they deserve to understand clarity what's happening here. And um, so we're, I'm staying in close contact with the league on that. Uh, I've met with um, the Coyotes players uh, several times. Uh, we had a, 
uh, an in-person meeting before um, before the season ended. I went to a game in Arizona. Uh, you know, met with the owner of the team, the president of the team, the commissioner was there, I was there, and. Uh, and then we had a, a Zoom meeting uh, not too long ago with the players to talk about where we're headed. And they're, they're very active and interested in what's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. when they moved into the mullet, you had younger players that were kind of new in the league. And now that they're becoming, uh, heading towards the prime of their career, they want to play in an arena, number one, that's an NHL arena, number one. Number two, they want to play for a team that that can reach the Stanley Cup and win and, and go for championships. And they, they want to be able to have a team that can attract free agents to their, to their area and play for their team. So right now, I think a lot of that's, a lot of that's kind of in question until there's the plan moving forward, meaning a, a, a real concrete, this is what we're doing. New arenas being built, there's a shovel in the ground, cranes in the ground, mm-hmm. you know, still going up or we're going to a new place and this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. How, how would you characterize the way players feel about that playing environment over the last six months like that has it did it change like from 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 the like <laughs> did they get sick of it i think that's i think that's <laughs> yeah. kind of what i'm asking well, like because i think you can see, assume yeah i think you can assume that you know if you're a national hockey player and you're playing in a college arena and you're the second tenant in there, you're not even mm-hmm. the first tenant uh and, and it, you know that that's a problem number one and number two um, you know, these players played really hard. They, they, there was a couple of stretches in the league. They had they had games. I think they went 1.10 games without losing a game. They got a point in games. Uh, you know, they play hard, and, and they're, they're a good group of guys. And I think it's really important for us to make sure that for them, I mean, the league owes them an opportunity to, to be in a professional hockey league arena yes. uh, and play in an atmosphere where it's, where it's an uh, NHL arena. And the fans deserve it, too. I mean, the fans yeah. deserve uh, in NHL arena to, to go watch that, watch their team play. Uh, you know, it didn't even occur to me to think of the fact that if you're an NHL player in Arizona, you're not only are you playing in front of whatever a few thousand people, you're, you're right. You, your hope for building a successful team is not as high as elsewhere. You're not, you're not going to get the big free agent. You're not going to be able to make. And, and so like, if you're a player, why, why would you even want to be there? I, I, I just, it's a, it's a great point to raise. Um, the, the other thing I, I mean, you mentioned Gary, you mentioned um, conversations with, with Gary Bettman. I think everyone's always fascinated by the relationship between the head of the PA and the and the commissioner and longtime commissioner. How would you describe so far your relationship with uh, Gary Bettman? I mean, it's it's pretty open conversations. Uh, you know, um, I told Gary and, and he told me the same thing that we can just call each other if, if there's a problem or an issue, just pick up the phone. And, and you know, it's still early in the relationship. Uh, so we're still in the honeymoon phase here, uh, which is which is uh, which is a good one. Um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's you know I think that people automatically assume a union and a, and, and a company or a league and in uh, the, the play associations have should have an adversary relationship, and, and there, there are definitely issues that we will probably clash over in the future. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. Uh, but it, it also is about there's a relationship there. I think that's really important to grow the game of hockey and to grow the sport and to do everything we can for the players, for the ability for the players to to, to maximize their, their 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 time and their talent. Um, and I think that you know we're, we're both of those can be done at the same time. Um, and, and I've seen it in my entire career where you have companies that work with the unions and, and they're very successful. And I've seen times where companies and unions have a brutal relationship, adversarial, terrible relationship. And, and at the end of the day, it helps, it hurts, it hurts the product, uh, w- whether it's a private company or, 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 or sports, sports league. And it also hurts the employees uh, in, in that relationship and in, in, in the management in that relationship. So um, right now we have a strong, I, I would say a good relationship. Um, and, and hopefully we'll continue a good relationship moving forward here. We've seen a pretty clean, a relatively clean postseason, at least as it relates to suspendable hits and Department of Player Safety stuff. Um, in your job, how much thought have you given to reconciling, you know, those suspendable hits and making sure that they, you know, happen as as, uh, as, as infrequently as possible while also, you know, the the – you know, deal, dealing with the issue of suspending guys and, and taking money out of their pockets as, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, this is the first time that I've dealt with something like this, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and it's something that, you know, in the offseason, we'll talk to the players as well. Uh, it's, a, it's a conversation that we'll bring up at fall tour and talk to them about it uh, because we represent both. Right, right? that's right. Mm-hmm. Player that, 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 that does the offense and we represent the player that, that is on the other end of it. And, you know, I think it's really important for us to have these 
conversations as we move. You know, um, every sport is physical. Uh, when you, well, maybe not baseball, but uh, and that gets physical sometimes too. Every sport's physical, and, and when the intensity comes gets higher, um, you know, you're talking about you know the other night in the game, Stanley Cup game. You know, early in the first period, there was there was all kinds of you know big body hits and things like that happening, and that's just the the intensity of the game. We just need to make sure that people are. are protected and taking care of each other and realizing that that's, you know, even though that that person that you're playing against, we're all in the same tent. We're all under the same roof. Like we have to, you know, I don't want to take the intensity out of the game because that would makes it so great, but how do we make sure that we protect the players? So no one, no one gets hurt. And, 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 you know, when they get on the ice in the beginning of the game, they get a chance to get off the ice at the end of the game and, and come back and, and not have a, an injury that's going to mm-hmm. cause them long-term damage. Uh, you mentioned baseball. It's, it's been interesting from afar to watch how remarkably they've changed the game with the rule, like pretty aggressive rule changes to address fan frustrations. I mean, I went to a Tigers game with my kids and we were in and out in two and a half hours, which I can't remember the last time that happened. And you're, I mean, you're a big Patriots season ticket holder, right? You, you know, the NFL yeah. really well. Um, I'm just curious. The, the NHL has been, seems like they've been really good about you know, raising franchise values, but maybe not great at maximizing revenue as a league. Like it seems like they're, they haven't been as ambitious in, on that front in terms of the fan experience doing creative things to, to bring in more money, quite frankly. And I'm, I'm just wondering if there are things you can learn from the NFL or baseball or some of these other sports, NBA. I mean, it just seems like they're, they're way out front on doing fun, cool, exciting things for fans to bring excitement to the game. Yeah, this, and that goes back to what when I was talking earlier about the relationship between uh, the commissioner and 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 us and and me. Uh, it, there is an important aspect here to have a positive relationship to think about growing the game, yeah. and I think that's what I mean by that. And um, certainly, uh, it's an area that we're going to take a deep dive in as a PA uh, play association to look at in our sponsorships, in our licensing agreements, um, and looking at how do we first of all, how do you promote the game? You look at football, football and basketball. I think have done a brilliant job of really promoting their games. Yes. I mean, basketball, um, whether it's on the court, off the court, it's the, you know, the commercials that the players are in, um, you know, every night you turn on the TV, there's a basketball player in, in a commercial somewhere. Football is a little different sport because they're, they're, they're kind of, it's Sunday. They own Sunday during the season. Uh, they're starting, they own Thursday night during the season and they own Monday night mm-hmm. during the season. So they own those games and they're able to capture that in, in a unique, brilliant way. Uh, and I think that we have to start thinking outside the box. How can we do similar things, uh, whether it's owning a particular time on, on TV? Mm-hmm. How do we promote the players in, in, in areas? How do we promote the, the great part of the game? I think there's an opportunity with diversity. There's two indigenous players playing in, um, in, in the Stanley Cup finals. There's a couple of players of color playing in the Stanley Cup finals. You're talking about more activity, getting more opportunity in, in other demographic, you know, fan base to, to think about. I mean, I think one of the reasons why um, Gary's so um, f- focused on Arizona and Dallas is because of Latino community and lots of Latino community. Is there a way for us to get grow the game even more in the Latino community? And I think that there's opportunities there. I think that we have to look at our international travel and see like where are we going and are we are we you know making a long term plan, not a short term plan? You know, basketball did it, football's yeah. doing it. Are they going different places and in investing in some of this, but making sure that we have analysis that shows that. We're making a difference. Like the first time you go to a, a city or, or another country, you might not see the benefit of that. But if you go there for three or four seasons, can we can we see the market share grow by going to those places? I think we you start to look at analytics a little differently as well. Um, I want to bring a lot more analytics to to the NHLPA. Uh, I did it when I was mayor of Boston, and you see the benefit of that. And you bring those analytics to the league now, and, and they're doing some of it as well. But but I, I don't know all they're doing yet. But how do how do we work to to grow the game of hockey? And, and when you grow the game of hockey, every new fan buys a shirt, buys a stick, maybe plays the game. Um, you know, the kids play the game. They, they, they're involved now, and all of a sudden, you're growing. You naturally growing the game of hockey. Mm-hmm. You mentioned increasing diversity. A big part of that. I mean, we're going to bring up the, the 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 Pride Night stuff from March. You want to increase diversity. There, there was, there have been those issues with with, with teams having uh, having their having their pride nights waylaid by players, you know, who, who who would rather not take a part. How do you reconcile the desire for more diversity whenever stuff like that happens that makes it an undeniably 
you know, less hospitable place for, for that kind of community. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think you focus on the, on the downside of that. I think you focus on how do you fix that? How mm-hmm. do you, how do you educate people on that? And I think that, you know, um, I've talked to a couple of players that, that, that um, didn't wear the Jersey mm-hmm. um, and, you know, you, you get a chance to talk to them and there's different reasons for religious beliefs or their own personal, uh, what they believe in. Uh, and, and when you get a chance to talk about it and talk it through, all of a sudden people say, well, uh, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. And I think that rather than, at least for, for on the PA side, rather than focus on the, 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 the negative uh, perception, how do we, how do we change that? And how do we take that as a learning, learning moment, learning experience and teaching experience more and more accurately and moving forward? I think we can. I mean, listen, I, I said this for, from the very beginning, my first press conference, I was a big, I was in the master's legislature when marriage equality was, 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 was um, given by the Supreme Court of Massachusetts. And, and I, you know, I was a full leader for, for, for the LGBTQ community. Uh, we, we preserved marriage equality in Massachusetts. It was not uh, an all, oh, this is a great idea in 2004. Since that time, the, the, it's completely changed. I mean, the, the whole feel of, around the gay community. And, you know, and we have to understand that, you know, the gay community that's out there, um, you know, it's about inclusion, not exclusion. It's about working with the gay community and about making sure people feel feel comfortable. And when I say comfortable, I'm talking about the gay community should feel welcome to the NHL hockey. Um, you're talking, you know, 90, 90, whatever, 8% of the players are wearing the jersey and, and we, we, you know, the press and everyone focused on the one or two players that don't wear the jersey. I understand that. I appreciate that. That's life. But we have to we have to take this as a learning opportunity, and, and how do we make life better to let people know it is truly an inclusive game, uh, and it is an inclusive game. NHL is an inclusive uh, sport, and we want to continue to make it inclusive. Well, Marty, we appreciate your time. I know uh, I know your schedule is packed, and uh, <laughs> you've got a lot on your plate. So, thank you for taking some time to chat with us, and uh, safe travels, and, and best of luck moving forward. Um, this is great, and, and I just want to make sure everyone that's watching uh, tune in to. Uh, game two, three, four, and then if we go five, beyond six, that, seven, six, seven, let's go. All right, we <laughs> want to get these ratings up. We want to get the ratings up. We, we stop growing hockey by getting higher ratings. So That's let's right. do it. Awesome. Well, thanks, Marty. Thanks, Marty. Thank you. Take care, hey, guys. Bye. That was really good, Sean. I. I like that Marty's pumping up TV ratings. He's like, he, I know he, he's already like, we got to get those revenues. We got to get the cap up. I love that you ask, like, hey, why are franchise valuation so high but revenue is so flat that's that's the question that is the everyday question for the nhl yeah what's going on like that's i mean that's going to be the biggest thing and it's always this fine line between and he said it like you have to work with the league to get to do some of these things but i would like to see the pa push the league more on these issues like the league's not going to do it clearly it's the same folks that have been like we we know the playbook coming out of new york so if if there's going to be anything progressive in the revenue generation front, like other leagues are do- like baseball, like the boringest of all sports yeah. is like, let's rewrite the, the rule book to make it more fun and entertaining. The other thing, the other yeah. thing that I'd like to, that, that I want, that I'm interested in seeing in the next set of CBA negotiations is the hockey related revenue definition. I think that could be fun. Yeah. We always hear about that and then nothing comes of it. Never know. New boss. Yeah. Hey, did you do you want to hear the moment that I bailed on a joke? Yeah. It was when he said, uh, "My hometown, Boston Bruins," and I was going to say, "Oh, really? You're from Boston?" <laughs> I would have laughed. <laughs> uh, he might not have. <laughs> he would have. He seems like. A- of course, he would have. He was. He's like he, but he wanted to get up there and talk some serious stuff with us, right? Yeah. Clearly, that was his. That was his aim there. So I'm. I'm not gonna. <laughs> Not you're, gonna not gonna, him that. you're not going to begrudge that. You're not going to start cutting them off. All right. Coming I up want. next, we take your questions and turn them into a full segment called The Only Good Segment on the Show. The only, right? Okay. We'll be right back.
Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is the only good segment on the show. So we dive into the comments, allow you fine folks to do our jobs for us. I think we maybe put out some kind of a challenge last week. Did we? Yeah, did we? We ask for we ask for more. Guess what? You provided it, and here's how you provided it. You open the app. Mm-hmm. You click through and you got to click the listen tab. You got to click the listen tab. Don't forget. Then you got to find the episode. It would be easier if our names were in the headline. I think we should work that in. Or some, you know, just I think we happens. should. You know what? The, the show should just be called Sean Gentilly and Craig Cussins. Actually, you, you're, the, you're the boss, so you, you can go first. Craig Cussins and Sean Gentilly present the, the athletic hockey show. Mm. And that is what the baseline everyday title of the show is. And then... <laughs> the other days that we kept reading so Sean McIndoe. Hey, welcome to Craig Custance and Sean Gentilly <laughs> present the Upper Hockey Show. I'm Ian Mendez. <laughs> that's that's right. Okay. I I, I think I, I think that would happen. be a lot easier for us, and you can make this happen now, Mister. Whatever your fucking title is these days. Mm-hmm. Ariel R. <laughs> okay. I love this question. This is this is flat out not a hockey question at all. So I love it even more. Ariel R, what's the most petty but ultimately harmless curse you could place on someone? For example, when you go to use ketchup, you'll get the watery part first, or you'll never be able to find nearby parking. Thanks, guys, and happy pride. Happy pride to you, Ariel. Mm, that's never being able to find nearby parking is is um, not harmless. I think if that happened to me, I would maybe <laughs> come to a come to a uh, an untimely end. I drive my way crazy. I don't care about park. I I, I would rather. I just don't get, either. Just I, cut to the chase, get to the back and park I, by myself and walk. And uh, it, she, I am absolutely and like, she'll go if up and I down see, for an hour. see spot, pull into spot, I'm like, I'm not fucking doing this. Yeah. So the I so it's more like the idea of driving around looking for parking is an anxiety trigger. Just the thought of doing yeah, that I, is 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 a nightmare. Yeah. Dude, we went to we went to the Pirates game on Saturday. It was a four o'clock game. Mm-hmm. There was a bunch of other stuff going on in downtown Pittsburgh. There was a pride parade. There was the arts festival. There was a, like other events happening. And then there was a, like a basically sold out pirates game on the, on the North shore. Yeah. So traffic was a catastrophe. Oh, and there was construction. I, this, we're getting way into the weeds here. The bridge, you, you know, the big yellow bridge that you see from, from PNC park. Yeah. When you look, when you look out on TV, that's been that's closed. It's been closed for months. It's it'll will be closed for more months. But it that completely catastrophizes the, the 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 traffic pattern downtown. The end result there was that we sat in a fucking parking garage for like forty five minutes trying to get down from it, and I was ready to lose my mind. So Ariel, I understand what you're saying here, but any kind of parking related <laughs> curse. I mean, the is, ketchup uh, one's is not good. is not is not harmless. Like yeah, it's harmless to get the juice, but that's disgusting. Same with the mustard. Like if you just get the water out first and then it soaks your bread in the sandwich, that's brutal. That ruins. I think like anytime like you're you step in like water without realizing it, that to me is that would be my curse. Like if there's a puddle, you always find it. And your socks get wet. Or if you're like going for a run or out for a walk or or whatever, and you have to sit there and deal with it deal with you know wet sock for a while 
Disaster. I think also Disaster. maybe it's uh, petty but harmless. Every time you pick a line like at, at like a toll booth or getting into Canada no. or whatever, you pick the wrong one. Like, and you I have feel to sit like and that's watch. already I my mean, life, honestly. I've already, I cursed you with that. You didn't realize it when we first met. Shit. Did you like that? That's another one, though. Do you switch? No, no, no. I'm a very Mm-mm. big like. I ride or die. I, Why, this, this is, is, this this is, is my is, line. We are, we are very similar it. here. This is interesting. Yeah. yeah I, I, love, I love that. And does and does Cat is Cassie also like? Oh, she drives. She's like, look at the other back line. And forth. Look at this line. This is really funny. That line's moving. We have a lot, and I'm like, we have a lot in common here. <laughs> okay. I'm like this. Hey, we picked this line. I am not bailing on this, this line it. just because I'm, the other I'm line. I'm turning. My, I'm turning my brain off. Um, we're listening to music. Yeah. Like I don't give. I like however long this lasts. Like it lasts. I can't live like constantly no. looking at what's going on in the other line. I'm a big fan of making of making decisions and never revisiting them or or, or reflecting upon them. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's. <laughs> I'm, gonna the do, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. This is how I do things. This mm. is just the way it's gonna go. Yep. Tim S. How wide is the gap of? L- on how is the wide on the gap on the list of things that are awful between Gary Bettman in front of a mic and whatever is number two? Tim, I'm not going to answer this question necessarily, but I would like to say that a big uh, tone of the comments in the Atlanta story is people calling me a shill for Gary Bettman. Uh, really? I didn't see that. Shill. Yeah. I knew it, Sean. Yeah, that's me. That's me. If there's one hallmark of my career thus far, it's that I'm in the tank, in the tank for Gary. And also that Gary is in the tank for Atlanta. That's what I, that's those are that's the way it goes. There's if there's one thing I love, it's Gary Bettman. And if there's one thing Gary loves, it's hockey in Atlanta. Boy, sure. He fought to keep that market going for years. <laughs> See, he's like, can can I can I FedEx you the keys to the to to the built to the to the moving facilities? Um Unreal. Yeah. What? We got to go out of Atlanta. Okie doke. We're out of here. Okay. Aaron L says, <laughs> I took an edible and I want to know who wins the athletic war. The Russo army. This, these are, this is so funny. Go ahead. The Custance Company, Gentili Gorillas, Mendez Mercenaries, Salvian Seal Team 6, <laughs> Dom's Model, Shana's Goldman, really Sean McIndoe and the 1983 Wendell Clarks. <laughs> <laughs> I think he saved the best one for last. That's really funny. Aaron. I mean, it's Russo's army. These are all violent. Okay, so but. you have a full army for Russo. You have a company of an army for you. Gorillas, I think that's, that makes sense for me. That does. Um, I, SEAL Team 6. Salvi and SEAL Team 6? Yeah, who's betting against the SEAL Team 6 <laughs> led by Haley? <laughs> Not Osama Bin Laden, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, we got him! That was a timely reference. Hey, all Too I know soon. is my company, though, We I will stick with them to the bitter end. And even if it looks like SEAL Team 6 is winning, Customs Company is going down together. Um, Just like the line into the border. Me, me, and the, me and the gorillas, baby. It's like uh, Red Dawn. <laughs> what have you? I don't know. That's really pathetic. That's the first group of... that. That's what comes to mind for me. A gorilla warfare. Red Dawn? <laughs> is our Red Dawn. Craig is basically ruxing from the league, says Alex M, but it's condescension says sarcasm. Even when he doesn't mean to do it, it still sounds like condescension. My advice, lean into it. If you attempt to sound condescending, it will probably make you sound even more condescending. All right. How do you, how do you I, respond to that? I've got no response. Condescending is the last thing I want to sound like. I'm like hurt by this, Sean. I love that. No, I condescending. Just, oh, hey how could you? How, hey. hey, how could... <laughs> how could you how could you sweet summer children out there think that I'm condescending? Of all the things you could call me, that's simply it's the most foolish, I must say, my dear boy. Eric Gay wants to know who really cares about the consmith. Nobody. He answers his own, his own question. What the people really want to know is who is the Tuesday Boys, hashtag Tuesday Boys Tuesdays, American born MVP of the playoffs, who are the current final four? I mean, Jack it Michael. is Jack Heichel, I it it has to be, and Kachuk's still in the still in the conversation. Um, Aiden Hill is from Canada, which I just had to double check on. Is he? It's uh, yeah, okay. it's um, it's Eichel versus Kachuk. Yeah, got to be right. Who else is who else is even in the conversation? Because think think of all the guys at the top of at the top of Vegas's lineup. William Carlson, no. Um, I think, by the way, William Carlson and Jonathan Marchessault are going to get con- 
votes if this if this, I think keeps, Marcus, though, if this keeps up. Yeah, he might win it. Um, he was my he was my pick ahead of the final to win it. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this, like this this final in the the, the play, you know the Kachuk versus Eichel, Vegas versus Florida. I mean, this is a really American. Like this is totally like, invested in these markets. These these kind of non like it's just um, it's a very American flavor. Oh, and this folks, is probably speaking of American and uh, Chris Chelios. We've been mm-hmm. is uh, I think um, Richard Deitch confirmed that he's out at ESPN. Mer- one mm-hmm. of the best American defensemen of all time, but we uh, probably you know in terms of his analysis during intermission, we talked about it a lot. ESPN is a distant second to what's happening with the TNT. I calls. man. I just want to use this to honestly to talk about how uh, how great TNT has become. I had that reaction again last night. Yeah, I I I can't believe how good Gradsky is. I can't believe it. He gets better every game. The jump he's made from year two to year from year one to year two is unbelievable, and he was pretty good to start with. Yeah. Um, the sense of humor is there all the time. He's got that kind of confidence that allows him to not speak all that often, which I think is important because you have, you know, guys like Biz and Anson Carter, like in Liam and whatever, they, they're, they're, they're the ones that do the heavy lifting in terms of guiding the conversation and whatever else. But you, you, you can have Gretzky come in and drop the hammer when he needs to. And I think he's got a way of making high level, you know, analysis really accessible, which I, that's the thing that I was not, that I was not. Um, expecting, and he knows the players. Like he's he's all in on it. And like, great. is he the most? Is he the most like? I mean, come on, he's is he the most compelling, like charismatic, you know, broadcaster that you're gonna see? No, but geez, he he fills a role, and it's great to see him. I I'm I'm surprised at it in my in my own reaction mm-hmm. to watching him night after night. I love it. I love that show. They do a great job. Yeah. And also, Russo has a story coming out on Liam McHugh in the next couple of days, which is worth reading because Liam's the guy that uh, makes everything makes everything go there. So shout out, to, shout out, to, shout out to TNT. I think ESPN, you know, back to the drawing board. It looks like yeah, got to figure their shit out. I guess we'll see. Chemistry, the chemistry there just doesn't feel right as a viewer. If you're paying, if you're paying, they have a lot of money invested in PK Subban. They have a lot of. He's got the ESPN Plus show and whatever. If that's who you've thrown in with, you got to surround them with people that have a chance to work. And I think it was pretty clear that Chelios and Messier, to some extent, were not were not working out there. There's ESPN budget cuts and whatever else. So here we are. Is Phil Kessel getting his name on the cup if Vegas wins? Asked David S. The answer is yes. He played all 82 regular season games. The rule is if you pay, play more than 41 regular season games or one game in the final, you get your name on the cup. So. Phil Kessel, three time, three times engraved on the cup if, if Vegas finishes up here. All right, producer Jeff is tapping his watch, so I do want to get. We did ask for people to rank their corporate drugstores. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because as we know, oh we've God, got our partnership with CVS, where the Tuesday edition <laughs> of the Athletic Hockey Show plays throughout CVS stores in the United States. Oh my God. Wait a second. Hold on. We got to go specifically into Bob M here. Cause this is a Western PA. This is a Pittsburgh. All right, you, guy. Cause I, I I'm reading Bob that M and goes, I'm going, I have no idea what yep. Bob M is talking about. So Bob M goes thrift drug. Number three. Sure. Thrift drug was, uh, I believe that was absorbed by either Eckerd. There was a wave of corporate drugstore consolidation taking place in Western Pennsylvania in the late 1990s. <laughs> as I've said before, three thrift drug, two Revco, one Farmore, particularly the Parkway Center location, loved Farmore. My cousin used to go to the Farmore in, cent- in cent- near Center Three Mall and steal baseball cards from it. Um, I like I was we were and in East why, we were in East Liberty Farmore is out of business. In the yeah, be- because eighty seven uh, tops name, because because name redacted stole <laughs> you know whatever st- too many wax packs baseball cards from from in, in the in nineteen ninety two or whatever. SJH, drugstore Bartels. Uh, Perry G says consumer value stores, aka CVS from Massachusetts. Originally is obviously the choice. I disagree, Perry, respectfully. 
This is a thrift drug, and this is a, a Rite Aid household. That's fine. I mean, I established a big CVS household. Again, it's all about proximity. They're all the same. No, they're not. Thomas H., really quick, because we are going to do the end of season Tuesday Boys Awards, so get your question that you guys have to name and nominate and do all the work for, as always. But the question is, did I make enough appearances this year to vote on the Tuesday Boys Awards? <laughs> That's a really good question. He's a, a, a non-voting member of the Academy. It's me and Max and Jeff. We, um, we can go back and go through the, the ones from last year because they were really funny. We can reuse a bunch of those. Yeah, but we'll if you guys them. have, if, you, if, if any folks out there have uh, creative, creative ideas, hit us with them. Um, yeah, th- we need at least one or two new awards that are American centric and reflect the year that was. But we will go back to it. Sure. Anything else, Sean? That's it. Get us out of here. You need to leave in a couple minutes. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I don't want to. Next meeting's not nearly as fun. <laughs> hey, I want to thank um, Marty Walsh for joining mm-hmm. the podcast. And um, Greg Cronin is coming next week. So good. I'm reading this the first time to join Max and Sean. I'm out next week. So yeah, that's why you, that's why you littered the discussion with backhanded compliments for Greg Cronin. Hey, I'm, I think he's going to do a great job. Max loves him. Me too. I know that Max was fired. I got, when that was announced, I got a text from Max, just like five exclamation points. Great hire. Um, also don't forget to subscribe to the athletic hockey show on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash at sign the athletic hockey show where I'm sure the Marty Walsh, if you want to watch it, the video form, you should do that. I think I like moved around less in that one than I typically do even. Yeah, it was a statue. No? Like always. That's all I think it's about. Like a, like a, like a Labrador sitting. <laughs> Spotted a duck across the pond. Exactly. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you at the award show. Happy New Year.